Welcome to Faith Bible Church's Midweek in the Word podcast, where we are together seeking to become better readers, hearers, and doers of the Word each week. Welcome to another week of Midweek in the Word, and welcome to our 10th episode. This feels like it should be a major milestone. I, most of the podcasts I listen to are at 100 and some episodes, but uh, 10 is still a big marker for us, Tom. So uh, uh, so welcome, listeners, to the 10th episode of Midweek in the Word. Uh, I'm Pastor Brad, and I'm joined by Pastor Tom again for this week. And this week, Tom, rather than starting off with a bit of an intro, I want to wait on that okay. um, on where we're going. Um, and I just want to jump right into Route 6. In your snapshots from Genesis to Revelation sermon series, this last Sunday you were you were speaking about Aaron, and you were primarily in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. Yeah. Uh, so same old, same old questions. Uh, what did we learn about God on Sunday from the life of Aaron? Well, I think the thing from life of Aaron shows that God's pursuit of His creature. Uh, continues, but uh, in Aaron, he acknowledges that there has to be a mediator. So it shows amazing mercy and grace on God's part that he would appoint one man, Mm. uh, as big a failure as he was repeatedly, that he would call to himself in order to be that mediator between us, a sinful man, and a holy God. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that really came through in your message on Sunday of, of Aaron's role. Um, but obviously, all of that is necessitated by the fact that the people needed a mediator. Um, so what did we learn about mankind from the life of Aaron? Well, with, with Aaron, I see, we see his radical humanity. If, if mm. I'd been writing this book, I probably would have slid over mm. some of his faults and failures. But I think what we learned about man is that all of us are prone to sin, yeah. And failure, and yet we we need a redeeming grace. Uh, but at the same time, we learn that God is pleased to use us uh, when we respond rightly to Him. So when Aaron would fail, God gave him sacrifices to take care of the failure, and then put him back into service. So it, it's a reminder mm-hmm. that even fallen man has a blessed hope. Amen. Thank thank yeah. goodness for that reality. Yeah. No doubt. Um, then obviously, how does how does this point us forward to Christ? But that, that was probably the easiest one of all of them. <laughs> it <laughs> kind of laid itself uh, out for you yeah, this week, we, right? We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize yeah. with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in every way as mm. we are, and yet without sin. So that the longing of the heart is, will there ever be a mediator who doesn't need a sacrifice to take care of his own sin and one that will live forever so we don't have to go through generation after generation, you know, uh, Aaron to, uh, Eliezer, and then finally get down to Caiaphas and go, is there ever going to be a permanent high mm. priest that I can count on to go into God's presence? And the answer is found in the person of Christ, Hebrews yeah. chapter 4. Thank goodness for that reality. I, I love yeah. the way you put it in your lessons at the end of the message uh, where you said God's appointed mediator will also be the perfect substitute. Yeah. All yeah. of those themes come together in the person of Christ. Everything. Uh, amen to that, no doubt. Uh, well, with, well, with wrapping up this week, um, the Pentateuch, and for listeners, if you're unfamiliar with that term, the term Pentateuch is referring to the first five books of the Old Testament, or Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Um, so with wrapping up the Pentateuch, and coincidentally, with it being our 10th episode, it seemed like the right time to do a bit of a recap on your sermon series, Tom, and, and maybe catch up anybody that's missed some of the messages and uh, maybe just do a good review for others um, of what the story has said so far this far along in the Bible. Um, and, and this is what is uh, um, 
consistently referred to or might be referred to in in uh, theological circles as biblical theology, as opposed to like systematic theology that more may be familiar with. Um, so let's take a moment and let's let's define a little bit of what we mean here um, before we actually go into those books. What is biblical theology? Well, there are two disciplines, uh, I think both of which are essential to healthy understanding of Scripture. Mm. Uh, one is systematic theology, uh, which is kind of the American mindset where you categorize topics and themes and you trace those down. What does the Bible say about the Holy Spirit? And so you take a concordance and you look at every verse that speaks of the Holy Spirit and then you break the Holy Spirit's function and role into different categories. You do it with almost any theological theme you want to. That's essential to get a sense of how one idea ties the scripture together. Biblical theology is just following the storyline and, and it really emphasizes the progressive revelation that, that God spoke truth all the way through. But he, he used even the first five books because to just set the, the, the table for what he's going to teach us later, mostly because humankind is not capable of absorbing everything God desires mm. to reveal mm-hmm. about himself in one meal. So he chews it up into bite-sized pieces and slowly begins to reveal those truths about himself as you follow the story. Biblical theology leaves you, as you're following it, asking what's next, what's coming, is there more to the story, whereas systematic theology has a tendency to put it all in the can, put a lid on it and seal it up and set it on a shelf and say, mm. I've, got, I've got a handle on that. With biblical theology, you're always longing to see how this story continues to unfold. Yeah, I, I think that's a really helpful way to think about it because you wrap up the book of Genesis and you realize the Israelites aren't in Canaan. You know, what's yeah. going on here? How is God going to get his people there? And it necessitates yeah. the question of Exodus. Exodus gets you there, but you go, how is this holy people, unholy people, or whole, unholy people, holy yeah. God, how is this all going to work? Leviticus answers the question. Yeah. How are the people going to get into the land? Numbers speaks to that. You know, it moves, the questions move the story forward as we move from one yeah, book to another. Biblical theology makes you look for the, for the hinges mm-hmm. between books and seasons. And it, it makes you also ask about the, the time in history. Yeah. And uh, who they are. So, yeah, you're asking a question. I, I, the other side of biblical theology is it's the world I was raised in. My dad mm. never preached from the Old Testament without showing you where it was fulfilled in the new or never preached from the new without showing you its root in the old. So uh, I was I was quite advanced in my walk with the Lord before I realized there was actually a thing called biblical theology. <laughs> right. I just thought that's how everybody read the Bible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Very good. And stories are great in the way they convey that message, yeah. even if we don't fully understand the terms, uh, which is good. Um, but but why is biblical theology so important when it re- when it comes to reading the Bible? What what direction is the story driving us? Well, the, the thing about biblical theology is it, it forces you to recognize that there is a unifying thread and theme. Now, mm. there'll be a lot of stories through there, but it, it is really the plan that is initiated in Genesis and resolved in Revelation. And so you, as you read it, you have to say, uh, Jesus said, this speaks of me. It's even mm. uh, the Bible scholars of his day didn't figure out what that unifying theme was. They knew it was the promise, and they knew it was yeah. the coming Christ and head crusher, but they didn't see how that was fulfilled in Jesus. So for us, it's important that we are always looking to how does this point us to Christ or back to Christ? So hmm. I, I just, just it, It's keeping Christ as the hero of the story at all times. Yeah. Yeah, even though he hasn't entered the scene in a way yep. that we necessarily think about, which would allude to some of our typology discussions and yep. where is all of this leading. Um, 
So hopefully that helps you as the listener uh, get a little bit of what we're talking about when it comes to biblical theology, whether you're familiar with the concept or not. Um, so Tom, let's let's endeavor to do some of this um, this afternoon. Uh, let's try and connect the dots of what the story has been so far in your sermon series. Um, let's start with Genesis, which seems like a good place to start to me. Um, what has happened so far in the story? Well, Genesis starts with God as the creator. It assumes the existence of God in the beginning. God, it yep. doesn't defend or explain his existence. It just starts there. He created for a purpose. He created man. Man rebels against him. And then the rest of the story is God's unfolding plan of drawing lost man back to himself. But it's it's the story of one death after the other. So mm. just when your hopes get built up, then even it ends with Joseph and his bones uh, embalmed in a casket in mm. Egypt. And they're a long ways from the land of the promise, which then sets you up for Exodus. Uh, how are we going to get them from Egypt back to the land that he's promised to them and to their mm. descendants forever? You realize between those two, there's 400-year gap in that season of time. So uh, it, it then Moses, suddenly, you're, if you're watching the DVR, you're in live time, mm-hmm. and he's explaining to people that have experienced the deliverance. So suddenly, we realize that, that this God is also a redeeming God, mm-hmm. has a plan of redemption, and unfolds it. So uh, how, how does this fallen man relate to a holy God? Moves you into Leviticus, which really was the high point, I think, for the ministry of Aaron, when you, mm-hmm. you pack, unpack it. And then Numbers is more the journey home. And uh, so these people that went into Egypt in order to survive in a famine and now enslaved there for 400 years, now they've been delivered, but they are still several miles from the promised land. Hmm. How do they get home? And what should have just been a few weeks' journey turns into a 40-year hmm. adventure. And then finally, Deuteronomy, you know, you're going... Okay, we're almost, we're right there on the threshold. Open the door, we're coming in. And Moses said, "Uh, let me remind you where we've been, who God is, and what he expects when you get there. So again, he kind of moves it forward. And just when you think, finally, we have a leader that can accomplish the task, God says, now, go up on a mountain. I'm going to let you look into the land. You're going to die there. You're not leading them in. And so Mm. it leaves you there with a new leader on the wrong side of the river, Mm. wondering, are we ever going to get into the land of promise? Hmm. What about uh, what about major themes? What what major themes uh, are explored uh, thus far in the story? Well, in in Genesis, I think there's the, the themes of the beginning and the blessing. I think in Exodus, there's the the theme of the redeemer, and uh, what the whole substitute sacrifice thing's a big thing. The Day of Atonement is mm-hmm. really a centerpiece there. Mm-hmm. Leviticus tells us how a sinful man can approach a holy God. And uh, I, it, it, it shocked me when I went through and, and highlighted it that the word priest appearing 153 times in mm. Leviticus, that mediator, that go-between. Mm. And then you know, the book of Numbers is the patience and the grace of God as the people continue to be molded, not just from a big family, but into a unified nation with rules and guidelines and learning to live together in community. And then, like I said, in Deuteronomy, it's just five final challenges from the man that's led him for four decades. Mm. And how God God says through Moses, he says, and I will raise up another prophet like myself. So 
you start to see a, there's three basic things that are fulfilled in Christ, prophet, priest, and king. You see the prophet in Deuteronomy in Moses, and you see the priest in Aaron in Leviticus, and then we're looking forward to, so who's the king? Mm. And he says at the end of Deuteronomy, now you're going to have a king, but this king's got to be like this, but then who's going to be? And so again, he's throwing a shadow forward that keeps you reading the story. Yeah. Very helpful. So, so if we could put it into perspective, then as as we as we come through and complete the Pentateuch, as as we complete these first five books of the Bible, which which really in a lot of ways frame the rest of what we're going to read, not only in the Old Testament but proceeding into the New Testament as well. Um, what what is the message of the Pentateuch? What what is it setting up us up with that we need to remember as we read from Joshua on? Well, I. Because I always give three point answers. That's what <laughs> preachers do. I, That's what we get paid for, yeah, right? I, I think. So. I think first, it, it, it's a reminder that we were created by God for a godly purpose. Hmm. I, I think that we can't lose that. I think secondly, the prophet will tell us later that our sins have separated us from that God, hmm. and that the only hope we have for a restored relationship is if God takes the initiative to rescue us, to redeem us, to buy us back, the whole story hmm. of, of Exodus. And, and then you, you can't miss the repeated theme of the sacrifice. There's an altar and there's an innocent lamb whose life is laid down for us in our place over and over. So a holy God, a sinful man separated from holy God and the need of a sacrifice, a, a perfect one. And then ultimately that is the mediator. So who's, who's going to bring that sacrifice that's been offered in order to heal? So I think all the five books set us up for that redeeming work of God, but it leaves mm-hmm. a lot of the details yet to be ex- revealed. Which is kind of maybe the direction that some people have gone when trying to explain the overall story of the Bible in terms of creation, fall, redemption, yeah. consummation, you know, of yeah. these major shifts. So thus far, we've got creation in, yeah. in Genesis and, and everything that's taken place there. We've got fall in Genesis 3. The, the mankind has fallen away from God. And then we've got the beginnings of this restoration, this redemption yeah. that you see that... Clearly, the people needed saved out of Egypt, but ultimately in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, yeah. we find out the people are still far away from God, even yeah. though they're <laughs> they're in the presence yeah. of God. Um, then Deuteronomy, this charge, which all leads us forward to where is the redemption truly yeah. found, yeah. Uh, looking forward to the person and work of Christ, right? Yeah, and then I, I think that the story of Exodus, again, is it's easier for God to get Israel out of Egypt than it is to get Egypt out of Israel. So they they keep falling short, and yet God's standards are holiness and perfection. And Mm. he keeps saying, you be holy as I am holy. And you're like, I'm trying, Mm -hmm. but I'm not getting the job done very well. Is anybody going to do something that will help me be wholly acceptable? So like I said, then you, you suddenly you get a mediator, starts a whole theme all the way through, and you know, God God uses different formats. But I, yeah, I think I think the Pentateuch, probably the heart of it is that it's the greatest portrait of redemption and rescue we have mm-hmm. until it's fulfilled in Christ redeeming the enslaved sinner. Up until mm-hmm. then, there are times when certain people will be caught in captivity and released. But as a whole nation and a massive move of God mm-hmm. to redeem the enslaved, I think that the first five books paint that picture prettier than anything we'll see until we see Christ redeem us. 
Yeah, that imagery is really pretty powerful yeah. in, in the Pentateuch, no doubt. So, so if, if, I can, if I can summarize then, the Pentateuch gets us ready to anticipate redemption. We know that Christ comes when we hit the New Testament in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So what overriding question do we kind of ask in all of those interim books in the window? Because there's a lot of books in the Old Testament yet to go before Christ is coming. Yeah. So, so yeah. help us. What is, what is the question that's the drumbeat of that space in between Deuteronomy and Matthew? Well, there's, there's still that sense that there is a holy nation being created mm. that has a mission. And so many of the books we'll read going forward are how that not only do we have Adam and Eve falling and failing in chapter 3 of Genesis, but we have this whole nation falling and mm. failing repeatedly mm. down through. So if your plan is to rescue and deliver the world from slavery to sin, What's this people? And so mm. he, the prophets speak to them. It's all there's always this this downward tug toward false gods and false confidences and mm. false security. And God keeps declaring Himself to be the one and only. As, as I was saying earlier, just reading reading the book of Deuteronomy, you know, 273 times mm. in His closing five messages, He talks about the Lord your God. Why does He do that? Because the tendency of the heart is to settle for lesser gods. Yeah. And I think that's what you see through the rest of the Old Testament. They are constantly falling to the trap of lesser gods. Mm. Well, what God is trying to say is, I am your God. I am the Lord, your relational, delivering creator God. And so all the other books keep bringing us back to that one theme. Mm. And that's a good way to put it. I, God has established himself as the God of Israel throughout the Pentateuch, yeah. and every other time we see him falling for false gods, yeah. whether it be Baal when they enter the land, or the gods of the Canaanites, or the gods of, of their kings and security, you know, or the gods of you know, foreign women in Solomon's situation, yeah. or again and again, all of these gods that the hearts of the people naturally chase after. Uh, which is, is funny because uh, is, it, is it Tim Keller that's given credit with saying the heart is an idol factory and yes, uh, yes, that we share with the people of Israel, yep. um, undeniably. Good deal. Well, our hope for you as listeners is that is that some of this review will help frame up the rest of our discussion as we continue to work through the books of the Old Testament, remembering that the Pentateuch or the law is written as a paradigm that, or the lens through which the rest of the Old Testament is viewed. And, and this story continues to move forward, so we, we hope you will join us as we continue to do that. Speaking of which, Tom, this coming Sunday, we move from the Pentateuch into the, the next historical book. We have the character and the book of Joshua, which is yeah. likely pretty familiar. You've got Joshua fought the Battle of Jericho yeah. uh, that many of us probably know from our childhood. Um, so in preparation, um, what are you looking forward to in the life of Joshua? Well, the, the setup is is in Deuteronomy, and I haven't had time to count yet. I've got them all highlighted. And the number of times he said, into the land that you are going over to possess it. Mm. And Moses has been leading them since they've left Egypt. 40 years, and now Moses is gone, and the cessation plan was God's ordination of Joshua to Mm -hmm. lead them in to possess the land. But then also God said, but I'm not going to clear it out all at once because it would be overrun by animals and all of that. So you're going to win it a little at a time. So yeah, the preparation is, what does it mean to do spiritual battle Mm -hmm. uh, in faithfulness to the Lord? God is fighting on our side. Don't be afraid. At the same time, there's a conflict. So the story of Joshua is uh, how, do, how do we take control 
while at the same time there's opposition. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you see Joshua doing a pretty good job of leading the people in yeah. that, but only for 25 years. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. What about interpretive questions? What are you struggling with in the life of Joshua? Well, the, the thing with Joshua, more than anything, was that he had spent 40 years in the shadow of the great. Mm. And God props him up. He does it in Deuteronomy, reminds him, you know, <laughs> don't be afraid, you know. And then yeah. he starts out, he gets a visit from the angel of the Lord. So in, in Joshua, is, is how, does, how does a godly person lead well trusting in the Lord? Mm. And uh, how does that portray Christ who leads us? into these battles. So they're just trying to figure out exactly how Josh. I can see all the overtones and shadows of Christ in Joshua, but what is that central point that he has given the whole book, 25 years, in order to portray the coming one who will lead us to the New Testament, Joshua, as it were? Hmm. We'll look forward to hearing more about that on Sunday. Uh, then finally, how can we prepare our hearts for the message? Well, it, 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 there's some serious conviction that hits at the end of the book after they have seen all of God's grace and all of his power and all of his deliverance. Joshua has to stand up before the people at the end and said, now you've got to make a mm-hmm. choice. Are you going to worship the gods of the land of your fathers back in Ur of the Chaldeans or the gods of this land or the true and living God? And you're thinking, are you kidding me? You know, mm. two and a half decades of, I mean, this is the generation that was probably too young to remember the deliverance from Egypt. Uh-huh. But suddenly now they have had these own witnesses of God's strength and still, and so we need to prepare our own selves to be confronted with the fact that we too default to gods of mm. our own making, that our hearts are idol factories and mm. constantly putting our confidence, trust, and significance in something mm. less than. Well, and talk about a book anticipating the next, you know, that question at the end of Joshua of who will you follow leads us directly into the book of Judges. Um, And and we won't, we won't quite pull the spoiler on that yet if you don't know where that's going. Um, But yeah, very much, very much like the unsettling part is that not only does does Joshua end with the death of Joshua, but Judges begins with the death of Joshua. Most mm. of them, when they die, it's only said they died and they do it once. But in Joshua, it's stated twice, and you're going, hmm, I wonder what that bridge means. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, excellent. We will, we will anticipate and look forward to that on Sunday. Uh, we do hope you choose to join us for Sunday morning's message as we will be discussing Joshua there. Um, and thanks for joining us for another episode. Thanks for joining us for our 10th episode. We're thrilled that you've hung in this long with us. We're, we're glad that it's been an encouragement to you. Um, if you're preparing for this Sunday's message by following all along with our reading, we have Exodus 17, 8 through 16, and Joshua 1 in anticipation of Tom's message. And if you're interested in any more information on what we've been talking about, I'd encourage you to check out the Bible Project's website, their whole series on the Torah, the different books of Exodus or Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy are excellent. They're five to seven minutes apiece. Uh, real good content there if you have time to check that out. And then uh, keep an eye out for this next quarter's reading plan, both the children's ministry reading plan and the adult bookmark that has what passages to read in anticipation of Tom's messages. We'll be coming out in a couple weeks on March 22nd, so make sure you grab one of those um, before you head out of church on March 22nd. 
Lastly, as always, we are praying for you, praying that God would help you understand this incredible redemptive story that is laid out, especially in the Old Testament and culminates in Christ as you get ready for another Sunday. And we hope you join us again next week as we'll be talking about Joshua and specifically asking the question of what do we do about holy war in that book? Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. As you're reading this week, be encouraged by the words of the Apostle Paul to Timothy. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth.